Hey everybody, welcome into Lucky Episode 13 of the Haven Podcast, this week's film slash TV focus episode. You could be listening to anything else in the world, but you're listening to me right now and I appreciate that. Hope everyone had a fantastic weekend, I know I did. Busy, busy. Apologies for the delay of posting today's Monday episode, but I went this morning and saw Stuck in a Battle! Bum, 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 wow. You went to an early bird show and some asshole sat right next to you. Saw Mission Impossible Fallout this morning, so yeah, definitely wanted to see that before recording so I can give you guys my review of that, which will be coming on later towards the tail end of this week's episode. Now, real quick, I know what you're thinking. Yes, number one, to your first question, I do sell out shows. Number two, I forgot what the point was. That's that's irrelevant. Number three, that is a true story. And this is, I just want to rant and rave like a fucking lunatic real quick here. So this is my second time in a row where I've gone to a movie, early ass show on a Monday morning. And, you know, the movies I usually go see on that Monday is going to be like a, a, usually a big release, right? So they put you in the big theater. So I go there, showtime starts at 10, 10 in the morning. I'm up early. I'm grinding for you guys because that's what I do. I go there, and when I check out for tickets the night before, theater is completely empty. There is nobody there, right? And this, again, pretty big fucking theater. So, get my tickets, go in, everything's great, you know, I miss half of the trailers, because I've seen this shit like a zillion times already, whatever. So, I walk up, and then uh, I see, in that very, very top row, because that's where I like to sit, at the very tippy top row of a theater. Get the whole picture, get all the sound, I love that stuff, right? Then what do I see in the middle of a darkened theater, like an old porno theater from the fucking 70s? There's some asshole literally sitting right next to me. So this is reserved seating. They got the big lounge chairs, which I love. Can't get enough of it. Thank you. But like a fucking serial killer, this dude is sitting right next to me. So when I went to go see Ant-Man and the Wasp, literally same situation, right? I was there first. The guy sat right next to me. It was fucking awkward. And eventually I'm like, you know, kind of, I I started just breathing heavily through my mouth like a date rapist. And he got up, thankfully, and switched a couple seats down to my left. I shouldn't have to do that, people. I shouldn't have to lower myself to a date rapist standard in a fucking huge empty movie theater. And if someone out there says, well, maybe he likes sitting in the top row in the middle like you, man. Maybe you're the problem sitting in the middle row. I I don't know. I fucking got the tickets, dude. I know for a fact no one was around me. It's not like I'm the creep that looks at the screen at the box office if you go in person to get the tickets or through Fandango or whatever the fuck you're using. And I'm like, oh, look at this giant big ass theater. Plenty of seats to choose from. Let me select the fucking square blue dot right next to the square orange dot and sit right next to that person like a fucking murderer. So other than that creepy scenario... I go in, this dude's sitting there. So, of course, now it's on me. I know what my seat is. I'm perfectly in the middle. So what do I do? I sit like a gentleman, don't want to make a big deal about it. I sit about three seats to his left. I sit down, everything's fine. But why do I have to be the one to move? You know, you're the asshole that selected the fucking seat right next to me like a goddamn creep. You know you did. You know what you did. Now I'm the asshole because I can't sit next to him or I'm the creep now. I see what, you know, he... That guy, was, that guy was a son of a bitch. That's all I'm going to say. So, like a gentleman, sat three rows or three seats to his left, you know, 
And I'm sitting there the whole time thinking some fucking jester, whatever the fuck they're called, is going to come up with his, his freaking um, coordinating jet fighter planes and shit for the military. And he's going to be like, hey, sir, can I see your ticket? That's how you're supposed to be. You have to sit right next to that guy and fucking hold hands and all that bullshit. So, yeah. But even with all that, still got to see the movie. Still enjoyed it. But that guy knows what he did. And I will not forget about that. Yeah. I'll recognize his ass too in the fucking if I see him at Safeway. But anyways, done with my rant on that. Whew, had a great way to start uh, this week's episode. This week in general. But no, I'm feeling good. Even with all that awkwardness, still feeling... Uh, Film pretty positive. Film pretty positive. Playing a lot of No Man's Sky. Teaser. So, let's try to get back on track. We've got to got to keep our composure on this one, or at least I do. But on today's amazing episode, we have some some tidbits. It's been kind of a slow news week. There's some stuff I can deep dive in though, and some industry notes. So, with that said, on today's episode, yeah, we're gonna be uh, talking about the possible return of George Lucas to Star Wars. Ooh, what a tease! Also, the Mission Impossible Fallout review towards the end of the episode, as I alluded to. Netflix buys Mowgli. And then as a f- couple, yeah, industry notes and all that stuff. So let's let's go ahead. Um, let, let's start the show. Let's jump in. So first bit of news coming out this week from a YouTuber named Mike Zero. I, I don't know. So you know it's a slow news week when I'm fucking reporting what YouTubers are saying. So please take this with truckloads of salt. But you know what? I like to like to live in the moment or try to. So with slow news weeks like this, I think it's good that you know you kind of you kind of embrace the bad. You kind of embrace the, you know embrace the the salt, if you will, you know, and just kind of run with it, have some fun with it, you know. So maybe that's what we're gonna we're gonna do with this, you know. So according to this dude, he's saying Disney is working with George Lucas to give his input and possible, and he's gonna give his possible possibility of him giving help you know you know the fucking words and putting the finishing touches on star wars episode 9 which is currently being directed and written by jj abrams to quote loki from a horrible one of the few few horrible marvel movies thor the dark world disney you truly must be desperate so as i said please take this with a grain of salt but Wow. If that is true, that is hilarious to me on a lot of levels, and it just shows that Disney's is in a crapshoot with him right now, or and they're they're in trouble if they're if they're going to this guy. So I know Lucas, this isn't the first time he's been involved with, you know, the Star Wars license since selling the IP to Disney. We you know, I know that. But and he did some work, I think, on Soul. Like, he wrote a scene for Ron Howard. Makes sense. One of his protégés, etc. We get that. And then I think they may have taken a few of his treatments for this current trilogy that they're working on from his earlier writings. You know, like, I think some tidbits. Nothing too crazy. Um, unless I... Actually, I'm, I may be wrong in that. I think Ray's based off of the main character that he wrote. But I don't know. Anyways, point being this. If you got to go to George Lucas to put the finishing touches on the Skywalker saga and to give a little bit of bits and pieces and all that jazz to it, that tells me you fucked up. And this got me thinking. George Lucas, from my understanding, when he came up with the the concept, the idea of Star Wars, right? Great, amazing, it's iconic, right? He had a general idea or he had a gist of like what this was going to be about and where it would go you know 
the one thing we're seeing with this new trilogy, you know, the, the Ray trilogy, right? We haven't seen how it connects to Skywalker, the Skywalker family, because that's the common denominator, right? Episodes one through three is about Anakin, okay? And then episodes four through six is about Luke. So you're seeing the lineage. So in this next one, they could just say, oh, yeah, Ray's so-and-so Skywalker daughter, and then it kind of fits in line with the whole family tree thing. So that's the problem, though. For episodes seven, eight, and nine, you took it one movie at a time. And for all I know, maybe J.J. did have an idea of what he wanted to do, and then what's-his-face Ryan Johnson came in and literally just poured gasoline and lit a torch and set the whole thing ablaze. So that's going to be the issue. But that's what happens when you don't have, it goes back to not having that one central figure, that one person in the company being the quarterback, being the leader of a franchise, or even in this case, this trilogy that's trying to tell a story. At the episodes one through six, say what you want about the prequels, and yes, they were fucking horrendous and racist, but one guy was at the helm. That could be good, as we saw with the original trilogy, or it could be downright painfully bad as we saw with the prequel trilogy so at the end of the day this is what happens when you don't have a plan folks and if it's something i've said before other than history repeating repeats itself it's one of my one of my mottos that go by in life people if you don't have a plan you're gonna have a bad time you know it's how you wake up with a migraine hungry and sore toes if you catch my drift so unless you are into those types of things then Make sure you have a plan, otherwise it's going to end really, really bad for you. All right, moving on to the next one. Netflix swinging that thick dick in the industry again. My goodness, my goodness. Netflix has officially bought the worldwide movie rights from Warner Brothers for the film Mowgli. For people that don't know what Mowgli is, it's kind of like uh, if Christopher Nolan directed The Jungle Book. It's fucking dark. It's gritty. It's going to scare the shit out of you, and I don't think it's going to be a kid's movie. But it's the directional debut of Andy Serkis, a.k.a. the mocap king. It was set to release in theaters this fall, but will now instead premiere exclusively on Netflix in 2019. But I did read today that Screen Daily is reporting that Netflix still plans a theater release because of 3D assets that are going to be planned for the film. I love this. The reason I do is I have no idea if this movie is going to be good or not. Why would Warner Brothers sell this movie they've put so much time, money, and effort to? They could have seen the early cuts of the film and say, this is sucks ass. This is a bad idea. Let's try to recover our assets as much as we can. Then you would think Netflix have seen a cut of it, and they would maybe think the opposite. But it doesn't matter. The point being, I love this because it means the lines are getting more and more blurred as we progress in terms of what comes to TV what comes to a movie and what's in between and i love seeing netflix just just going ham on this shit you know going nuts going crazy and doing what they need to do to make their platform the go-to platform because it's gonna it's at a point now where it's almost laughable if you come across somebody that doesn't have netflix and it might be a pretentious thing to say but it's it's fucking netflix like they have so much amazing content on there that for all the misses they have, and trust me, Netflix has its stingers. Like, it has some shit that's just... You're like, how the fuck did this get greenlit? Even for all those bad ones, they do have a few terrific great ones that they show. Whether it's a movie, which they've done more and more of the last couple of years, or amazing television that just gets you to kind of stand up and they get your attention. And you're just like you got to have netflix you know this is premiering oh that's coming out and they just they just keep throwing this pretty much shit at the wall until they see what sticks 
and they do it in a way where when the shit does stick, it is no longer shit, people. It's it's fucking eromic, it's amazing, and you want to tell all your friends about it, you know? And that's the beauty of what they're doing. So, very curious to see how this plays out, and I just hope the movie's good. I love a, a good movie and a show more than the next person line. Alright, moving on yet again to some quick industry notes. I forgot to cover this on last week's episode, and I'm downright ashamed. So here's a couple little Star Wars tidbits I'm throwing at you. So we had come out of Comic-Con last weekend that they showed a teaser trailer, Disney did. And they were they were kind of there at Comic-Con, but usually they save all their stuff for D23. So I'm really surprised that this came in. But they have a teaser trailer. You can check it on YouTube. They're fucking bringing back Star Wars, the Clone War animated show. Now, for those that haven't seen it, A, what the fuck's wrong with you? B, go on Netflix. You can watch all of it. And this is going to premiere on Disney's new streaming service that they're launching, I believe, next year to compete with like the Netflixes and Hulus and all that jazz. This is awesome. It was a it was a terrific, amazing show. They did one kind of like farewell season to wrap it up on Netflix. This was a couple of years ago. And David Fiolini, my my guy that runs all the animated jazz out there, he um He's, he's going to be quarterback in this, and he even said, hey, I've, this is a dream of mine. I want to properly wrap up and finish The Clone Wars, um, the show that we started and everything. So super excited for that. Check out the trailer. It's it's our teaser. It's, it's simple, straight to the point, doesn't really show anything, but it just kind of gets that nerd, that nerdgasm built up and going for you. Um, speaking of Star Wars, they have said they're not recasting um, Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia in the movie, or they will be using CGI or young actress. They're just going to use footage that they had left over from The Force Awakens. So I'm curious how they close that out and how they do it. I'm pretty sure it's going to look kind of cringy. It's going to feel off a little bit. So good luck to the editor to make that work. Also, reminder, Avengers The Infinity War drops on digital tomorrow. So fucking excited for this. Ah! Cannot wait. You know exactly Tuesday what Danny's doing. I'm just going to be watching this on loop repeat all day in my boxer shorts crying and just oh my god such a fucking good movie such a good movie so yes yeah, new war drops tomorrow on digital um let's see what else oh speaking of disney i should just fucking call this like the disney haven podcast at this point holy crap um disney's fox merger is one step closer so yeah that's all going on it's got a couple more things to go but it looks like bearing anything dramatic i mean i think they're past that point like all the fox stockholders have voted yes on it and everything so it's coming people x-men's coming to marvel again Woo! cannot wait good shit and last but certainly not least a bit of news that kind of broke and just wanted to touch on it i want to do like a full like blot segment on it per mark Hughes of forbes uh, let me go over to the link so i can give you guys the exact wording of what he said and of course, as I'm recording a live podcast, my iPad decides to restart and close out my browser. This is awkward. Um, oh, sweet. There we go. Okay. Per this huge guy from Forbes, um, according to a tweet that he sent out, Affleck is pretty much out and has been out for a while. This is in regards to Ben Affleck's Batman status. This is what he said. He's not Batman in this movie. As of now, there are no plans to evolve Affleck. The situation behind the scenes is that he's been arranging his exit from the DCEU for months. I know fans hate to hear this, but it's time to prepare yourselves for Batman without Affleck. Um, they hate to hear... I don't give a shit. I, I could care less. Like, that whole thing needs to be burned to the ground and rebuilt from the ground up. Um, sorry, Gal Gudot. 
and Wonder Woman. But yeah, that whole thing. You, you guys know my view. And I, I mean, I've talked about it before. And it's like, oh, fuck another story about this. Like, hurry up and just fucking do the exit already and figure it out. So, um, but I have to say, though, even with all this BS behind the scenes, I am, I'm actually kind of curious, though, in, in a weird way. I take that back. I'm, a, I'm actually curious how they're going to pull this off. And if they're actually going to address it. Or if they're just going to switch him out with an actor. And it's like, hopefully the audience doesn't notice. Kind of thing or what. But yeah, so that that whole thing's going on. All right, moving on. Last but certainly not least. I saw Mission Impossible Fallout this morning. All, um, to kind of just kind of get into it, the quick version of it. Don't believe the hype, people. This thing has like a, what, a 95% Rotten Tomato score? Yeah, go fuck yourself. Um Overall, I give the movie a B minus. I will say this. If you've been a huge fan of Mission Impossible since Mission Impossible 3 all the way until now, you will love this movie. Go see it. Go pay full price. If you love those movies, you're, you're going to have a great time. You know, it's more of the same. It's literally copy and paste. Okay. So if you liked all those movies and you had a great time with it, you're going to enjoy this movie. You really, really are. Um, I've seen those films. I thought Ghost Protocol was actually really, really good. J.J. Abrams saved the franchise with Mission Impossible 3. Um, and then I can't even remember the other two, including this one. I just saw it, so that tells you something. Um, it, like I said, it's more of the same. Um, if you're in the middle and you're kind of like, yeah, I could see it, but I'm not really hyped to go see it. I was just waiting for rental um, for it to come out on VOD and just rent it and stuff like that, save you the time and money. Cause the movie's like almost fucking two and a half hours. Um, but if you're bored and you like, Hey, I just want to go see a film and kind of be somewhat entertained, go see it, but do it. So at the early bird price special. Okay. Like it's not worth fucking full price if you're kind of in the middle on it. Um, so just kind of break it down a little bit story wise. It was bland as fuck. Um, it, it's just, it's Tom Cruise playing Ethan hunt, trying to save the world again. And that's pretty much it. And for anyone that's raging in their car, like, that's what being a spy is about. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not a spy. I don't think you are either. So we should probably, we could probably try something different and new. Okay. So that's pretty much what the movie is. It's him saving the world again. They try to do a twist like halfway through and it is, it might be one of the worst executed twists in a movie that I've seen in a very, very long time. The actor they needed to kind of sell what was going on, this big thing, is awful. Um, but you can see the twist coming literally like in the first quarter of the movie. So either A, the director didn't give a shit, or B, if he did that on purpose, it was a very poor choice in my opinion. It was just like, you, you see it coming so far away and it, it just kind of like, but they do it in a way when they do the setup of it where they're trying to be secretive is just a really bad someone's just whispering the secret really really loud kind of thing and it's just very like oh so you you were trying to do it as a misdirect to the audience you just horribly executed it like that's what it came off to me as um and i don't know if they felt obligated to do this because of you know what the movie is based off of spies and secrets you need a twist or something i, I don't fucking know um but yeah it was very yeah i don't it was it was that part was bad. Like when they finally got to the twist reveal, I was just kind of like, yeah, we, we know, like you told this to us like an hour and a half ago. Like you, you made it clear as day. So why are you shooting and setting the twist up in a way like, Oh, surprise kind of thing? Cause it wasn't 
There was nothing to be surprised about at all. Um, overall, the acting was fine. Um, it's Tom Cruise playing, well, Tom Cruise. Like, so, yeah, it's just, it's Tom Cruise. Like, basically, he acts the same way he's been doing as Ethan Hunt in all the movies. He has those little, like, corny cornball jokes he does with the side smirk. Like, I'm figuring it out. Trust me. And then he has the moments where he does, like, the serious angry face. Like, maybe we should reconsider. I don't know why he sounds like a drunk Batman, but uh, besides the point. So, yeah, Tom Cruise is doing his thing. Um, yeah, it's just Tom Cruise. Um, Henry Cavill, a.k.a. Superman's in the movie. Bottom line, he sucks ass. He is so fucking boring in this movie. A plastic bag has more acting skill than he does. Um, I was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt because we know he's a bore Superman, and they try to do more of that in that vomit-inducing so-called movie called The Justice League, where they try to bring more of that personality, that character, that charm of Superman, that Boy Scout mentality to that movie. And we saw how that turned out. And then you saw Henry Cavill in the lead for Man from Uncle, which was a train wreck. He just can't fucking act, man. I used to like try to give the guy the benefit of the doubt. I just don't think he can fucking act anymore. Like, the thing is, like, you see Henry Cavill, he's a, he gets the mustache, that whole big scandal with Justice League, the CGI stash. Don't get me wrong, stash looks great. Oh my god, he looks awesome, dude. Like, good for him. That is a great mustache, sir. Love it with the five o'clock shot. He's looking great. Fit works out got his got his swell on he's looking great he's you know he's on the fucking keto diet i think too as well he's he's killing it looks great he opens his mouth and i want to fucking just i literally want to just put my head on train tracks it's ridiculous how boring that guy is like uh, and there's like moments where they're trying to like ah see there's more to him than just the charming good looks and the buff chest and it's like no please just stop doing it just just don't let him talk anymore. It's horrible. Like, uh, he, was, he was horrible in that movie. Or in this movie, you know? And I get it. He's a villain, you know? Kind of thing. Or whatever. He's like this other spy guy that's opposite of Ethan or whatever the fuck. I don't even know what his character was. It's ridiculous. It's so... God, that movie was... He was horrible, dude. He was just... Yeah, go back to the drawing board on that one, you guys. Um, yeah, just that attempt to make him anything more than a bag of rock just comes off as so bad. Um screamy stop giving him dialogue for the love of god but i don't want to keep it all negative because this movie does have some a few brighter points for me and maybe this is why you see these kind of movies you're not going really necessarily for the story or the twist or you're going for the acting with movies like this you're probably going for the action right tom cruise does his own stunts he's notorious for that i think he blew out his acl or something filming this movie and that shit's full-on display so the biggest pluses for me for this movie, you know, it was shot beautifully. Um, there are certain action scenes in this movie that just kept me on the edge of my seat and took my breath away. It's like, I don't ride roller coasters because I'm a chicken shit, but I imagine this is what a roller coaster is. So when I see people get off a roller coaster with their big smiles and joy, like, oh my God, what an experience, what a ride. Like, I assume that's what, you know, that's what these action scenes would do for someone kind of similar to a roller coaster so i'm watching these action set pieces right and you see it in the trailer too it's a motorcycle sequence so the way the action works in this movie was when they do an action sequence it's fucking long it feels like a good 15 to 20 minutes where it's like here's the slice a huge slice of action right and there's all these things happening in between. So cool idea, cool concept. It's not very short, and then they keep transitioning. Like there's a lot of transitions and a lot of things happening in this this big fifth what feels like a 15 to 20 minute slice, right? 
And so this motorcycle sequence they have in the movie was fucking incredible. This director, he it just felt like he had a pulse. The, he knew the pulse of this, right? He knew when to kind of escalate certain stuff and show you things that make your jaw drop and get you and get you to stay on the edge of your seat. And he knows how to let certain scenes breathe within that sequence. So it's kind of like you just see this amazing, incredible thing and you're coming. He just lets you down nice and slow off this high of just like adrenaline of holy shit. What the fuck? That was incredible. And then boom, he ramps it back up. So like a roller coaster, it's going up, it's going, here comes the drop and everything like that. And then, Ooh, then you go and then you start tricking up again. Right. You start going up, going up, you know, what's coming. You can feel it. And you're like, yes, again, I want that that hit of it. And that's what he does with specifically this sequence, right? So absolutely brilliant. There's a couple of those throughout the movie. Now, it's weird because then there's other action scenes in this film. And there's there's quite a few big scenes, right? Where it feels so fucking boring. It drags on, meaning if, like, I don't want to get into spoilers, but there's a, there's a how can I say it without fucking it up too much? There is a huge action sequence with helicopters, right? So something happens within that sequence that is very, very cool. It is very unique and different that I've seen on a screen before. And you're excited. But then it drags and it keeps going and going and going. And you're just like, I think the sequence is done. I think you could have just been done with this like, you know, eight minutes ago. Now you're just dragging it on. Now you're just putting it through the mud because there's nothing for all, there's nothing else for you to do and show. You're padding it. You're drawing it out. It's becoming clear as day that that's what's going on. So again, certain action sequences, well-paced, very well done. And you're like, yep, this is amazing. And then there's other action sets they do where I was just like, so this is what I'm supposed to be coming for, but it's really, really fucking boring. Like, this thing should have ended a while ago. Like, what is going on? Um, so, yeah. But at the end of the day, you got to remember, this is a fucking sixth film in in this whole series, man. And for the most part, they've done an, a good job with it. I think I've enjoyed my time. I've had, I've had fun with these movies, right? It's based off a fucking TV show, you know, from back in the day. So good for them, you know, doing what they can with that shit. So that's, again, my full synopsis and slash review of Mission Impossible Fallout. Overall, B minus. If you're a huge fan of all the past movies, go see it in theaters at full price. You won't be disappointed. It's more of the same. If you're in the middle or on the fence about it, I would wait till VOD. But again, you can always go see it for early bird and not be too disappointed. But make sure to use the fucking bathroom beforehand and don't drink a lot of liquids. The movie's fucking long. Um, so, yeah, that's my review of Mission Impossible Fallout. Um, all right, everyone. Yeah, I think that's going to do it for me. Thank you as always for listening A reminder. If you want to help the podcast grow or want to be involved links in the description of how you can do both. Also make sure to check out if you haven't already my very first episode, super excited, super jazzed about this. I posted my very first episode of my new podcast series spotlight. Um, it's an ongoing series where I kind of do reviews and previews slow, uh, solely focused on either a TV show, film or video game. Um, and everything like that. Um, and, and it's newer stuff too. So I'm not going back and like giving you a spotlight of the Godfather kind of thing. Um, you can check all that out by subscribing to the Haven podcast on your, you know, given podcast app, whatever it is you use and all that stuff. Um, and then, yeah, to cover that too, episode one of spotlight was actually my review of the video game, no man's sky, specifically their next update. So if you're into that stuff, make sure to check that out. It will be in the feed of the Haven podcast. All right. Thank you again, guys. As always, I will talk to you all this Friday. Take care.